You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Good morning. It is Monday, December 21st. You're listening to the College Football Daily. My name is Trey Scott. I'm joined right now by Chris Hummer. National College Football Writer for 24-7 Sports. We got playoff reactions. We got semifinals set. We've got our top four. We've got our top six. Chris, as we record here on Sunday afternoon, how does a, a playoff field of number one Alabama versus number four Notre Dame in the Rose Bowl in Arlington and number two Clemson and number three Ohio State in the Sugar Bowl sound to you? Well, it sounds weird because the Rose Bowl being in Arlington, Texas is just wild. But uh, it sound, that sounds a little bit like a blowout, which I'm sure we'll get to in a minute. But it sounds like the correct field. Um, I don't think there's much doubt when you look at the resumes that these are the four teams that the playoff committee was going to select. Um, I certainly think that Texas A&M has an argument against Notre Dame and vice versa. But ultimately, tech, Notre Dame had more top, 10 win, or top 25 wins. Notre Dame had more wins against um, teams with winning records. Notre Dame had more wins in general. Like Notre Dame earned that spot despite their despite their loss on Saturday. So I think I think the committee got it right. Um, I don't really think there was a really need for a fourth team this year, but you got to have somebody to play Alabama in the semis. But uh, yeah, we we've got four, and I think ultimately they were the right four teams. It seems like every year we say we don't need that fourth team. So whatever. So the so Clemson beat Notre Dame on Saturday, thirty four to ten. Before the fourth quarter, that thing was 31 to three. If that had stood, do you think 31 to three versus 34 to 10 would have been enough to get AM into the playoff? That's a great question. I I think we discussed this a little bit back and forth yesterday on Slack, and I was kind of in favor that it did matter. But thinking about it more, and when you look at the complete resume, I have a difficult time seeing those seven points really making that big of a difference at the end of the day especially when you consider those were garbage time points Clemson added second team defense in. So if the committee was taking that into consideration over an entire season's worth of kind of uh, data, the committee's doing something very wrong. I agree. If, if, at halftime of the ACC title game, I think emotionally everybody on TV, on Twitter, in Slack, texting their friends started saying, oh my gosh, this margin, 24 to three, like this, this could be enough to knock Notre Dame out. I think the moment that game ended and we saw sort of looked at everything again with clear eyes, you know, getting out of this, geez, Notre Dame's getting handled vibe. Like I think it, it did again become clear that Notre Dame would be the fourth team. But there, I'm, I'm not going to lie, just like you, there was a point during that ACC title game where I felt like AM was going to sneak its way into the playoff because Notre Dame. They didn't look good, and you know we can we can break things down when we end up previewing Notre Dame versus Alabama. But Ian Book, he was fine, but he he couldn't you know make make the big play that he did the last time they beat Clemson. Kyron Williams couldn't really get loose. That Notre Dame defense looked like a different unit against Trevor. Lord. I it, it just it just wasn't pretty. Sorry, I was gonna say, can we really can we quickly do the inverse of that argument? So if you look at like the way the game played out, the stats, and kind of just the game flow. Texas A&M played Alabama a lot closer than 28 points. Um, they just didn't score when they got into the red zone and kind of in Alabama's territory. If Texas A&M had made that a 10-point game instead of a 28-point game, do you think Texas A&M would be in the playoff right now instead of Notre Dame? 
Yeah, I, I think if that had been closer. I think so too, because Clemson wiped the floor with Notre Dame yesterday in every important statistical category. Like they got that blowout last. I think Clemson doubled Notre Dame's yardage totals. They almost shut them out on third down. Notre Dame averaged 1.5 yards per carry. That offensive line, which is supposed to be among the best in the country, got dominated. Had Texas A&M made that like a 10 or even a 14-point game, I really do think the Aggies are in the playoff right now. I think there's something to that. I think A&M did really everything it could otherwise in all of its other games. I think A&M sort of got hurt this year by an SEC schedule that the SEC wasn't very strong this season. And you look at A&M, their second best win, you could say, was on the road at Auburn, unranked Auburn. They won by 11. Like Auburn fired their coach this year. Notre Dame's second best win was on the road at number 15, North Carolina, and they won by two touchdowns. To put that in per- into perspective, like yeah, you might think A&M would be a better matchup than, Al- uh, than Notre Dame for Alabama. You might think A&M would beat Notre Dame heads up. I, I think the resume is pretty clear here, and I, I just I, I do in a way feel for A&M that its schedule sort of let it down. And, and it's kind of it, the irony really stinks for the Aggies because last year their schedule was brutal, right? If they could have just taken one of those really brutal games from last year and dropped it into their schedule this year, like one of those top five teams that they lost to, like if they had dropped that into this year and, and maybe win it, they're in the playoff. Like last year they played a very good Georgia team, a very, a, a number one ranked Clemson team. Like they played Auburn was really good last year. It's, it's uh, it, it's unfortunate for Texas A&M. I know Jimbo Fisher was was stumping hard after they beat Tennessee on Saturday, but like it it is what it is. And I think Notre Dame benefited from. I mean, the ACC was a little bit up this year, and and I think that that North Carolina game that they had really hangs heavy over them. I want to move on before we preview though. Like we've we've I think we both agreed. Yeah, Notre Dame was was the right fit for number four over Texas A&M at five. Uh, we know that OU, Oklahoma, is number six after beating Iowa State in the Big 12 title game. They shot all the way up from number 10. Do you think Oklahoma had a better playoff argument than we're giving them credit for? I, I always have to check myself a little bit here because I, I live in Texas. Like The Big 12 is the thing I'm the most familiar with. And I personally think Oklahoma, of A&M, of um, Notre Dame, and of Oklahoma, I think Oklahoma has the strongest resume and i think they're the hottest team going into the playoff in terms of making a case to be there i think oklahoma if you look at some advanced metrics and if you look at the product on the field oklahoma is a top 20 team in um yards per play oklahoma is actually a top 20 defense and yards allowed per play oklahoma has really strong wins over texas oklahoma state and iowa state that's more top 25 wins top 20 wins really than A&M and Notre Dame. If you, even if you combine those two, I think they kind of equal out to the same number. Like those two teams have three together and Oklahoma has three on its own. So if Oklahoma hadn't lost to Kansas State earlier this year, and if people remember, that was a Kansas State team that came in shorthanded due to stop, COVID. Stop, stop, no, no, stop, stop, stop. No, 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 I'm saying like Oklahoma does not deserve to be in the playoff. They lost that game. I'm not arguing that. I'm arguing that if Oklahoma hadn't lost to Kansas State, they'd be in the playoff right now. And I'd feel a hell of a lot better about Oklahoma versus Alabama. Not that I feel good about anybody versus Alabama than I do Notre Dame. It, it kind of reminds me of what we said last year about Oklahoma when we wanted them in over the Pac-12. And we said, oh, you know, we, we at least we know they'll compete. And then, like, they, they didn't. This is, this is a much year. better Oklahoma team, though, Trey. Like, there, there's no question about this. This defense is 
night and day compared to that defense that we saw last year against LSU. We don't know where Cincinnati is yet. I'm sure, obviously, we will be on Monday morning by the time they listen. It doesn't really matter. They're outside the top six. Did you buy an argument for the Bearcats to to get closer than that? I mean, maybe closer. Like, they're undefeated. I can, I can certainly see a Bearcat fan being really pissed off. They're not sixth. Um, but at the end of the day, like, Cincinnati dominated most of its schedule. But I would argue the two best teams Cincinnati played this year were UCF and Tulsa. And UCF and Tulsa, if you dropped them into, let's say, the ACC, would likely be maybe middle-tier or upper-tier ACC teams. And Cincinnati played Tulsa and UCF to a one-possession game in both cases. If you put Cincinnati in the SEC, like, I just, like, and I hate arguing against the G5 because I would have really loved to see them get a shot. I think it would have been fun. But realistically, if you put Cincinnati in in the ACC or the SEC, and they have to play UCF and Tulsa each week. I just don't see them running the table like they did and having the scoring margin that they did. And I see people citing top 20 defense, top 20 offense, only team alongside Clemson and do that. But the competition's just significantly different for Cincinnati than is everybody else. And like in order for Cincinnati to really get in, I think they needed to blow out UCF and Tulsa and they didn't do that. Yeah, they didn't. That's that's a great point on the ACC title game. They, they beat Tulsa. By three. Um, all right. So I, I think we're pretty set on this playoff, this this final four top six stuff. I'm excited to see or I'm interested to see like the reaction from Notre Dame or from, from Texas A&M. I think that one like that's a loud voice potentially. And I think the more and more loud voices that we have arguing for an expanded playoff, the quicker and quicker we'll we'll get it. I think we're eventually going to get it anyway. And I, I think. Yeah, I think there's no doubt. Like, absolutely no doubt. There's too much money to be made to leave that on the table. Right. And I, I think for me, the question is, has it happened in four years or two? And I, I think anytime, you know, I, I think sometimes these playoff arguments are fabricated. Sometimes, like, to be honest, on, on most Tuesday nights, I kind of like mentally check out of whatever Twitter <laughs> argument everyone's having. I have no idea why everyone was so mad last Tuesday. And I think it was because Cincinnati like got dropped and, you know, other teams moved up. But I was like, I'm, I'm not going to waste my time with this. Like, this is dumb. But at least the, the good news is for all these stupid waste of time playoff arguments we have, again, it's an extra voice in the room to stump for an expanded playoff, which is one versus eight going to be good? No. Is two versus seven going to be good? No. They're going to be just like the blowouts we currently have. But I think it could, in a way, save college football from going down this path that it's down in which only two teams matter every single year. And that brings us to the semifinals, Chris Hummer. I think it's fair to say Notre Dame is going to uh, lose badly to Alabama. That's a 16-and-a-half-point spread. It's a rematch, of course, of the 2012 BCS National Championship in which Alabama rolled. My thing here, Notre Dame is not going to be able to defend any part of Alabama's offense um, on, the, on the outside. I think they'll be able to to limit Najee Harris f- from doing what he did against Florida. But on the flip side, can Notre Dame challenge Alabama in the way Florida did? There's no Kadarius Tony on that team unless they spend the next two weeks getting like Chris Tyree ready for an increased role. There's no Kyle Pitts. They have some great tight ends, but none of them like Kyle Pitts. And then they just don't have the outside receivers to do anything. I, I can't figure out a path in which Notre Dame wins this game. Yeah, I have a hard time making that argument. I think it would involve a lot of Alabama unforced errors, the turnovers, 
maybe Chris Tyree creates something special on special teams, uh, gets a punt return touchdown or something to that effect, and it stays close. But I just, as you said, Notre Dame's not explosive enough offensively to keep up with Alabama, and that's the key word. You have to keep up with Alabama. They, I think they've scored at least 40 points in every game this year, if I'm not mistaken. Oh. Like, you have to keep up with them on the scoreboard. And I just, like, Notre Dame doesn't have that firepower. Like, Ian Book's a really great college football quarterback. Um, he can make things happen with his feet. He extends plays. But we saw yesterday against Clemson, if a D-line gets pressure, kind of keeps contained on Ian Book, his receivers are not going to separate and kind of give him anything to work with um, downfield. And I would argue Alabama's cornerbacks and secondary are just as good, maybe a little bit worse than Clemson, but that front seven is just as good. They're going to get pressure. Like we saw Will Anderson dominate on um, Saturday night as a true freshman. Like it's going to happen. And I just can't see it. Like I really don't. And defensively, like Notre Dame's really good, but also like you're not going to stop Alabama. So I I would be surprised if it's anything less than a three touchdown game, to be perfectly honest. The College Football Daily will be right back. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. I think Kyron Williams could be a key here, the Notre Dame running back. He just, it's been like a mixed bag for him and for that Notre Dame rushing attack. I'm looking at his game log and it it feels like he's feasting on bad defenses like Syracuse and North Carolina and and Duke and Louisville. And then, you know, shorthanded Clemson a, a month ago. But when he's playing good teams like Boston College and Pitt and Clemson on Saturday, he's, he, he's really not busting loose. And, and so I don't know what, what, where, where we categorize Alabama's defense at this point in the season, I'd say they're better. They're, they're more good than they are, they are a liability. Um, but can Notre Dame run the ball at all? Because they couldn't on Saturday. And you're right. It, it had Ian Book trying to make off-schedule plays on, on every single third down, and eventually you're just not going to do it. The one area I think Notre Dame can challenge Alabama is with its tight ends. Um, mm-hmm. They have a pair of really good ones in Tommy Tremble and Michael Mayer, uh, the true freshman. And if we saw what Florida did yesterday against Alabama, and that was a lot of Kyle Pitts matching up with linebackers or safeties and kind of taking advantage of that and owning the middle of the field. I think Notre Dame is capable of doing that to some extent. I think Notre Dame is much easier to scheme for than Florida. Um, So maybe that matchup won't be there as often, but if Notre Dame is going to be successful offensively, Tommy Tremble and Michael Mayer are going to have to have huge games and show that a guy like Dylan Moses who's excellent moving down, like moving downhill, but maybe not as good uh, in coverage. He's really struggled this year, um, kind of exposed him a little bit in the open field. I think that's the only way Notre Dame really kind of has a chance in this game. The tight ends have to just be huge. Yeah, and before we move on, I'll just counter to that. Yes, they all play tight end, but it's very different, as you know, very yeah. different of Kyle Pitts versus those guys. They scheme Kyle Pitts open, and, and it feels like at this point in Michael Mayer's career, He's a, he's like a you know third down safety net, not a downfield. Um, we got to get this guy the ball threat. It can't be understated. Like Dan Mullen is an expert game planner, and and that's a that's a big difference um, from what Tommy Reese is at this point in in the twenty eight year old offensive coordinator's career. And I don't blame it, him at all. 
So it's just gonna be a different, a different challenge for Notre Dame than it was for Florida. You bring up a great point. You have to keep, you have to keep pace with them. You have to eventually hope that Alabama is going to break its own serve. And I, I don't think Notre Dame. That's a great way to put it. That's a great, that tennis analogy is a great way to put it. So Clemson versus Ohio state. This is the one in July or in August in the first week of August, when I was sad about the season not happening and, and worried about all that stuff. If you had been like, man, we're going to get Trevor Lawrence versus Justin Fields again in, in, in the semis, like hang in there. You're going to be all right. Like that would have gotten me through it. It's not going to be the spectacle that last year's Fiesta Bowl was. It's not going to be as good. They're going to play in front of 3000 fans in new Orleans instead of a packed house in, in Arizona. But we do get Trevor Lawrence versus Justin Fields. Clemson's a touchdown favorite. You thought the line should have been smaller. I think the line should have been bigger. Maybe that tells me Vegas was right and that we could have a pretty good game developing. I just think Ohio State has something that most teams don't have when they go up against Clemson. First of all, it's talent. Like Clemson and the ACC rarely, if ever, faces a, like a team with similar talent to it. Ohio State has similar, if not better, talent than Clemson. The second thing is they have a quarterback in Justin Fields who can make magic happen. He did not have his best game on Saturday. I think he was dealing with a sprained thumb or something to that effect for most of the day. He was That's missing Chris Olave. Uh, he did not have the best game. He was a nice youth. He, 12 for 27. He was, he was terrible. He was yeah. terrible. Thank he you. was missing Chris Olave. I think he was a little banged up. If he's healthy, Justin Fields is a guy who can carry Ohio State's offense and keep up with Trevor Lawrence and Clemson on the scoreboard. The reason why, like, I was thinking about this game a little bit before we came on this podcast. I know I was talking about the line being smaller. The thing I really worry about with Ohio State is that secondary can be a major liability. And when you're going up against the best quarterback in the sport, even if his weapons maybe aren't on par with what Trevor Lawrence has had in the past, like, that's an issue. Ohio State ranks 103rd nationally in passing yards allowed per game. Trevor Lawrence is going to expose that. And I just, I'm not really sure if Ohio State is going to have the offensive firepower with Clemson's defense to kind of keep up in that game. But I think it's going to be entertaining. And I think Justin Fields gives you a chance. And I think those two receivers Ohio State has and Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave give them a chance to kind of keep up in the scoreboard. And I I just think this game is going to be a lot of fun. I was texting with um, Ron Veal earlier today, who's Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields' private quarterback trainer. He's ready to have like 15 interviews next week. Uh, He knows it's going to be a spectacle. Um, Those two guys are playing at an outstanding level despite what we saw from Justin last week. And I think, as you said, this is the matchup we all wanted to see, and we're going to get it again. Yeah, uh, I'm glad you brought up Alave, the junior receiver. It looks like he's going to be able to play the Big Ten on Sunday morning announced that it shortened its sit-out period for COVID players, uh, COVID-positive players from 21 days to 17. People are going to be upset about that. I don't really blame the Big Ten for trying to help out Ohio State. That's what it's supposed to do, right? They, they really missed him against Northwestern. One of Justin Fields' interceptions was was probably – because he wasn't in sync with his, uh, with his, uh, I think it was like Jameson Williams. I've never even heard of that guy. For those complaining about the Big Ten helping Ohio State, remember that the Big Ten gets six million dollars for Ohio State going to the playoffs, and they get another six million if Ohio State match, makes the national championship game. They have every incentive to have, help Ohio State along, kind of in this process. Great point, and especially in a COVID year, I don't think Trey Sermon is going to pop off for three hundred yards again, as no. he did against Northwestern. And if Ohio State had figured out that Trey Sermon was that good earlier in the game, they wouldn't have had any issue. Uh, I think I think they could have lost if it wasn't for him, though. He had 331 yards, Big Ten record. Uh, that's an Ohio State single-game single, single game record, actually. Um, and we've watched Trey Sermon for four years now, his first three years at Oklahoma. 
I don't think he's capable of this on a game to game basis. Uh, I will give him credit. He, he had a hundred yards against Michigan state last game too. So he's not, he's not some scrub who got lucky. Like he's, he's a good player, but I, I think I'd be a little bit worried if my current focal point of the offense was Trey sermon and no offense to him. And then as far as Ohio state's defense goes, they had some trouble with Northwestern last year. They really did a nice job against Trevor Lawrence. They stopped ETN on the ground. They contained uh, T Higgins and Justin Ross. Clemson doesn't have as explosive receivers as, as those two. Um, but Ohio state also no longer has Jeffrey Okuda and Damon Arnett, nor do they have Jeff Halfley, nor do they have chase young. I think we could be in, in store for two semifinals that get away from everybody by the third quarter. I hope, I hope not, but I, I think we could be um, in blowout range for both as we head toward what could be one of the best national title games ever. We're not going to talk about that today. That's way too early, but it, 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 it's this, this thing has some blowout potential. Wasn't it wild yesterday to see Cardell Jones, Cardell Jones, for those who don't remember the quarterback, you who don't Ohio State. Car- we know who Cardell Jones. Okay. Well, the guy who didn't want to play school called out Sean Wade on Twitter yesterday, or at least kind of walked around calling out Sean Wade, who is Ohio state's number one corner. And I think that kind of shows where Ohio State's secondary is for the fan base right now. It's a real potential liability. And what you said earlier about Clemson's uh, kind of Ohio State's run game against Clemson, Clemson ranks fourth nationally in rushing yards allowed per game. Northwestern's in the 70s. Part of that is because of what Ohio State did to them yesterday. But it's a much, much different test against the Tigers for Trey Sermon than it is um, against Northwestern. No question about it. And and Clemson finally ran the ball with a little bit of uh, efficiency on Saturday, ETN had, had 100 yards on, on 10 carries. I guess your predictions are pretty simple, Chris. Your way too early predictions are Alabama and uh, and Clemson winning? Yeah, Alabama by, I would say, three touchdowns. And then Clemson probably a little bit closer. I don't know if I'd pick uh, Ohio State to cover, but I think that'll be a fourth quarter game or at least a third quarter game for sure. But I've got uh, Clemson versus Ohio State three in the national championship game. Yeah, well... Look, we got through the regular season. We got through championship weekend. We have four brand name marquee schools in the college football playoff. We have the potential for an incredible national title game. We have the potential for if Clemson gets upset or Alabama gets upset, the storylines would be awesome too. Um, Notre Dame versus Alabama, of course, that's a revenge game. Ohio State versus Clemson is a multi-time revenge game. It's going to be pretty good. Sorry, before we go, can I plug one of our products real quick at 24-7 Sports? Products? Yeah, our team talent composite, man. Oh. I just want to point out that Alabama's number two, Ohio State's number three, Clemson's number four, and Notre Dame's number eight. So just remember that, folks, that talent matters, and these teams are in the playoff for a reason. You know what I'd like for you to look into? Is this the first time the playoff has ever had two three-star quarterbacks? It flies in the face of your talent argument, and I'm not here saying that stars don't matter, but Ian Book and Mac Jones. Well, who was, it was Notre Dame, Clemson, Alabama, who was the fourth team in the playoff? Um, Two years a ago? Couple years ago, yeah. Five-star Kyler Murray. So, probably, yeah. Probably. Yeah. But anyway, regardless, talent matters. And you're right. These are loaded loaded rosters. Loaded rosters. Uh, the top two of- picks probably in next year's draft are, are squaring off again. And I don't know. It's going to be it's gonna be pretty good. Chris Hummer, thanks for joining us. I know you got a lot of work to do, so I'll let you get back to it. And uh, our producer, Lance Glenn, thanks for putting this thing together. Thanks everyone out there for listening. If you if you have a score prediction, um, go ahead and drop it in Apple Apple reviews section. Chris, I've had some reviews recently that have been calling me an SEC homer, and I just don't get it. But 
You live in Vandy territory, man. You live in Vandy territory. At this stage of the game, I've learned not to read the comments section, so that's all right. My name is Trey Scott, and we'll talk to everybody again on Tuesday for the next edition of the College Football Daily. When you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Orlovsky, are you still a Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy? I think the three things that make it stand out for me are number one, I think his ball placement versus man coverage is the best in the draft. Every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. He's got the best on tape. Number two, most transferable stuff to the NFL. And then I think the third thing is pocket peace. Search for the Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen.